Yes. Welcome to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Through storytelling and conversational interviews, this weekly radio show offers listeners firsthand insight into starting and running a business, the ups and downs of risk-taking, and the commonalities of successful people. Connect with Carrie through her candid, often funny, and informative weekly blog, where you'll read and can comment on life as wife, mother, daughter, and entrepreneur. And now it's time for Carrie McCoy to get all up in your business. Thank you, Chris. Like Chris said, I'm Carrie McCoy, and it's time for me to get up in your business. Before we start, I want to introduce the people at the table. We have who you just heard from, Chris Cannon, my co-host, who will be managing the board and taking your calls. Say hello, Chris. I will say hello. Hello. And recording this show to make a podcast available next week is our technician, Jason Malik from Arise Studios in Conway, Arkansas. If you're sitting right now at your computer, you might want to watch us live on FlagandBanner.com's Facebook page. It's kind of fun to see what goes on behind the scenes. I'm waving to the camera right now. And between the breaks, it's reality radio. If for some reason you miss any part of this of today's show or want to hear it again, there's a way. And Chris is going to tell you how. Listen to all UIYB past and present interviews by going to FlagandBanner.com and clicking on Radio Show. Also, by joining our email list and liking us on Facebook, you'll get a reminder notification the day of the show with a sneak peek of that day's guest. Back to you, Carrie. So last week, Chris, we had uh, technical problems here at the studio. We did. Uh, and it wasn't really at the studio. It was out at Chanel, out at the Towers. I think when I think the... Um, I don't know. Transmitter. Transmitter got struck by lightning or something. So the show was not aired, but my guest and I came anyway. We were on the air. We recorded the show. It was Ryan Harris from um, Oxford American Magazine, and he talked about South on Main and all the music he has there. And I do want to mention that November the 6th, I believe it is, Arlo Guthrie is going to be coming to town in the Ron Robinson Theater. It's a very small venue comfortable chairs you can watch arlo guthrie do his thing uh or i think november the 6th go to uh, oxford american um, website and check it out to find out the exact date don't trust me exactly on that but it is the first of november and find out the price of the tickets uh, up in your business with me carrie mccoy began as a platform a small business owner like me and a guest to pay forward our experiential knowledge in a conversational way. Originally, my team and I thought it would appeal to entrepreneurs and want to be entrepreneurs, but it seems to have a wider audience appeal because, after all, who isn't inspired by everyday people's American-made stories? To see people in their totality is humanizing. We all thirst to connect and make sense of an overcomplicated world, and on this show, we have the luxury of time to go deeper than a soundbite or a headline. It's no secret that successful people work hard, but other common traits found in many of my guests are the heart of a teacher, belief in a higher power, and creativity. My guest today's name, P. Allen Smith, and lifestyle are synonymous with creativity. Everyone wants to be him, or at least live like him. He is nationally recognized as a gardener, cook, author, and chicken farmer because for over 20 years he has come into our homes on his PBS TV show, or should I say shows, P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table. To support his passion for poultry, in 2009, he founded the Heritage Poultry Conservancy, where he works to educate the public and protect endangered species at his farm, Moss Mountain, high above the Arkansas River. If you haven't gone to one of his spring or fall events on the mountain, I recommend you put it on your bucket list. People come from all over the world to see what Mr. P. Allen Smith Jr. is showing, serving, and saying about this cottage industry. Today, we're going to hear the whole story and get tips on raising backyard chickens and urban gardening. It is a pleasure to welcome to the table my longtime friend, Mr. P. Allen Smith. Carrie, it's a pleasure to be here. So I want to tell everybody that I've been trying to pin you down for two years <laughs> and that you are so busy, just like we said, hardworking, creative, and your, you know, lifestyle is really complicated because you're outside, you know, gardening, 
that's where your job is. But then you have to go inside and do the stuff that we all have to do at the desks, write books, do all that stuff. You're very, very busy. Have to wear lots of hats, lots of different hats. You sure do. Yeah. We're going to talk about all of them today. Uh, you were born in Arkansas, but raised in Tennessee for a little while. And then you moved back to Arkansas. You call yourself, I read this about you, a fourth generation nursery man and horticultural. Say that for me. Horticulturist. Horticulturist. It's a tough word. Tell our listeners about your father, your namesake, and how you followed not only in his footsteps, but generations before you, because you're four generations. Well, it goes back to the Cumberland Plateau where my father's family comes from. And they came there. <clears throat> uh, they, they actually came to this country um, in the 1680s uh, through Charleston, the port of Charleston, and they made their way west. Like so many Europeans, uh, they were English and they were greedy for land and made their way to Middle Tennessee by the 1790s, and they've been there ever since. And uh, there was a, um, uh, you know, after the Civil War, there was uh, a great deal of um, economic uh, instability, and the old crops that were raised uh, by our family were, were, were difficult for them to make money with. It was principally tobacco and cotton. And so they began to produce fruit trees and by the 1880s, um, a fellow by the name of Mr. Boyd, whose farm was next to the Smith farm, uh, began a nursery. And, uh, and it, it was, they were side by side. And uh, legend has it that he began providing trees for a rather large property that was being built over in North Carolina called Biltmore. And mm. so the family just really uh, used the the growing of trees and things like that is kind of a cash crop in the beginning and then over the generations they did more and more with nursery stock and it became less on fruit less about fruit trees and those kinds of things and more about ornamentals so by the time i came along um, i had a keen interest in botany and uh, learned a lot about farming and and horticulture on that very pr practical level and uh, just carried that through my career. And, and uh, we had went to Hendrix and studied uh, biology with an emphasis on botany. I just kind of knew a lot about plants and it made it easy. Those courses were easy for me to take, I well, think. Well, you grew up on a farm, right? Right, and so then I went to England and uh, studied garden history and design, um, master's program there, and then came back. And we, for a long time, had a, had a nursery and had a design build company. And then in 93, I began a media company and began talking about the things I was doing every day and helping answer questions about, you know, what's going on with my tomatoes. And, and then that sort of, you know, went into other aspects of, of life and helping people make better choices to improve their lives through using no chemicals or being very careful and using only organic uh, methodologies and practices. And then over time, um, about 12 years ago, we bought Moss Mountain Farm, which uh, goes back to the 1840s. As you mentioned, it's high above the Arkansas River Valley. And there we uh, use that as really kind of a studio set that uh, enables us to help people understand how to grow things. Uh, we have kitchens there as a studio where we prepare healthy uh, meals and we show how to, I, I like very simple meals. So we have a rule that, you know, only five ingredients. We oh, try to bring that. everything out of the garden. Um, so it's, it's very much uh, a, a show about, you know, healthy, healthy living really, because mm -hmm. I think that connectivity to nature uh, that growing something is good for our souls, mm -hmm. and I think that um, you know the the good the good food that we eat that isn't uh, local. I mean, when it's locally grown, when you know where it's coming from, there's it's like a the old days. There's a reassurance for me, at least, and I know a lot of people feel this way today with industrial agriculture. That you know, when you can buy it locally and you can know the farmer, not only are you getting something that you know how it was grown, where it was grown. 
that you build a relationship with someone. And that's so important. Socialization is so important. That leads me to the fact that we opened the farm about seven years ago to these tours where we invite people from around the country who have followed the show now for, I can't believe we're already producing our, we're, we're in the throes of our 20th season on PBS. Congratulations. Thank you. And so these folks are coming in, you know, to see the farm. And we had a big group this mor- morning and I had lunch with them before coming in to see you. See and how then, busy he is. That's <clears> sweet of you to come. And then we had a, uh, we'll have another big group tomorrow. And then next week we have Thursday and Friday's booked. And we have, and we have 1,500 master gardeners coming if, on Saturday uh, with Janet Carson, who's a big leader in master gardening here in Arkansas. And so um, we're just, uh, we really enjoy sharing the farm and that social component, that interaction. Uh, this virtual stuff has its place, but yeah. you know, you just can't be meeting people and having that one-on-one time with them. I know it. Um, you, 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 do you still have the farm in Tennessee? Well, with the, there are multiple farms. The, but the fa- one that you grew up on. No, no, we don't. We don't. The one I grew up on is in a place called Daylight. My great grandparents lived at Dark Hollow, Ooh. and my great my my all of my uh, brothers, uh, my father's brothers and sisters are still there. Uh, yeah, except for one. So yeah. you moved to Arkansas when you were twelve. Right. Yes. Your dad got a job offer? Yes. He he moved. We moved from the farm back to Arkansas. What was he going to do? Was he not going to farm anymore? Well, he, he actually never really em, embraced farming completely. He Skip was Skip that generation. He was well, this is what happens, you see. I mean, this happened mm-hmm. in the in the 70s. What happened is the small family farm began to change. Yeah. And it became difficult for people to make a living on the farm. And so what you had are these uh, folks who would farm on weekends, and that's what my dad had. We had about a hundred acres, and mm-hmm. he had uh, cattle, and you know we had a big garden, and we did row crops and this kind of thing, and poultry and swine and all all of it, you know. And so it was really something he wanted to kind of go back to because he grew up that way. And so he uh, we moved. He got a job offer, and wanted to come here and find a farm for us. But sadly, what happened is he had back surgery and then had a blood clot from back surgery and had a pulmonary embolism and died when he was thirty-seven. Wow! So my mother raised us, um, uh, all four of us children here in in Little Rock, and then as I mentioned, I went on to to Hendricks uh, after graduating so high school. Old, how old were you when he died? Thirteen. Isn't that how you kind of decide? Didn't I read somewhere that you kind of, as therapy, decided you were going to put chickens in your backyard? <laughs> well, that's true. I mean, we just come from a farm, and the idea was to find a farm, but but there was, you know, that takes a while. And so my parents bought a, a, a house in in the suburbs, and um, and I was just adamant that I was going to bring some of my animals with me. I wasn't going to give them all up. So I, I brought some chickens and a pair of turkeys. And we brought our dogs and a cat and a and a parakeet, and um, so we I started a farm, and um, in the backyard, and I made a garden and I built built coops for my chickens. And my neighbors were extremely generous and kind in allowing me to have this little agri hood. Agri-hood. Uh, in our, That's a coin phrase right there. In our, uh, in our, in our midst, and uh, and it was it was wonderful, and it, it was really a way for me to stay connected to to that life I'd had before losing my father. And it was therapeutic. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and that's why I'm a big believer in 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 being in the garden and having that time to 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 really think about the Creator and think about your place in the world and to watch these amazing things grow and bloom i mean it's just a miracle every day it's hard work though let's just be honest it's hard work Well, yeah but there's nothing wrong with hard work that's true yeah Uh, you know i I like it you do yeah Yeah. uh you went you went to college like you said at hendrix and then when you graduated you decided to uh jump on the opportunity to study abroad but there was no internet back then oh no how did you figure out where to go and what to do? Well, there was a, um, you know, you in those days you wrote letters, <laughs> and um, and it, it was really through a series of phone calls and and calling universities and um, you know working out the time difference and calling these places and everyone was very kind. But didn't you apply somewhere? 
and didn't get in and ended up getting uh, accepted. I, I thought I think I remember this from coming out to one of your tours where you were telling everybody that you applied at one place for a college. Yes. And yes. Didn't that, get it. Well, what I wanted to I wanted to study landscape design. Okay. And I had had hoped to go to a school in Cheltenham which was in the southern part of England, and they didn't really have a design course. It was more of an ag school, which really interested me. But then um, a friend in England who became a friend uh, recommended the University of Manchester that in the School of Architecture, in the Department of Town and Country Planning, they did landscape architecture and garden history. So that's how it came about. Perfect fit for you. Yeah. And well, they it just, worked out that way. Yeah, it did. Yeah, yeah. And they just sent you a little trifolded pamphlet and said, come here. And you said, okay. You filled out the form and mailed it off and said, I'll see y'all later. I don't even really know where I'm going. That's the way it worked. That's yeah. the way it worked back then. Yeah, that was a leap of faith. Yeah, you just do it. Right? You didn't get to go online and Google and look around oh, no. at the dorm rooms or see no where you were. I had no you, idea. Yeah, you just got on a... Yeah, that's what that's what you do. Did you get on a boat or did, did they have airplanes invented back then? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really dating me. <laughs> uh, you were there for 18 months? Yes, almost two years, yes. And did you do private tour guides? Were you a tour guide there, or did you do private tours there? Or, what no, did, you, or did you just study? No, we just studied, yeah. So it was really um, going around and looking at a uh, big part of what I did was to look at gardens of the 18th century. I was particularly interested in gardens that... Jefferson and Adams had seen on an English garden tour they'd taken in 1786. They decided while they waited on an appointment with King George to go on this tour of gardens. Jefferson had kept a book called Observations on Modern Gardening by Waitley in his, in his library. He had a 1771 copy, and it was sort of the latest and greatest gardens of England. And uh, so he took that as a guide and they went around and looked at these gardens uh, within a certain distance of uh, of London, probably the furthest away. They went to near Birmingham and t saw a great place called Hagley and another garden called, it was William Shinston. He was a poet at the time to see his garden. So if I wanted to go on that tour, I could still Google it up and find out what that tour is, the Jefferson tour? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe you could, but um, a lot of the places are no longer there. Um, I mean, like Shinston's garden, the Lisos is a lo lovely golf municipal golf course. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but some of the some of the great houses are still there, like Zion House in London, which is owned by the Duke of Northumberland. Chiswick House, which is a beautiful house. It was uh, the Earl of Burlington, Richard III Earl of Burlington's house. And How it's did been all restored. this change you? Well, from I think a country it, boy well, I think, in the South. I think travel changes everyone. Uh, you know, it was an opportunity to see a different place, a different world, a, diff a way in which you know people view things. It's different, and I'm surprised you, know, you, st you didn't stay. And um, and then you know, I, I went abroad and 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 went to Italy and and France while I was there, and Belgium, and tried to see as many places as I could, and now I go back frequently. Because you've met some really highfalutin friends over there, haven't you? Well, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you have, haven't well, you? Well, I have. Yeah, they're great. They're, they've, they've been great. They've influenced my career tremendously. Yeah. So I think this is a great place for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Mr. Paul Allen Smith, Jr. of the PBS TV show, P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table. In this next segment, we'll have him tell us about his road to fame from a local ornamental nursery on Stagecoach Road in Little Rock, Arkansas, to nationally recognized expert on heritage chickens, gardening and farm to table cooking. If you want to meet and learn from Alan, there's a way he is going to tell us about some upcoming tours on his farm, Moss Mountain, overlooking the Arkansas River. Here he hosts people. I'm telling you from all ilks and all over and doles out tips on urban gardening, cooking and raising backyard chickens. The rest of the story after the break. Want to create excitement for your business or event? Do it with affordable advertising from Arkansas's flagandbanner.com. We have teardrop banners, retractable banners and table drapes. We have street pole banners, museum and exhibit banners. We have custom flags, event tents, tailgating poles, auto graphics and window scrim. And don't forget, welcome home and sale banners. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. 
Go online for a free quote or drop by our historic showroom at 800 West 9th Street in Little Rock. You're listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, a production of FlagandBanner.com. Over 40 years ago, with only $400, Carrie founded Arkansas Flag and Banner. During the last four decades, the business has grown and changed, starting with door-to-door sales, then telemarketing, to mail order and catalog sales. And now a third of their sales come through the internet. And this past year, Flag and Banner added another internet feature, live chatting. Over time, Carrie's business and leadership knowledge grew. As early as 2004, she began sharing this knowledge in her weekly blog. In 2009, she founded the nonprofit Friends of Dreamland Ballroom. And in 2014, Brave Magazine was launched, whose next publication is slated for October 2018. Today, she has branched out into radio with this very production, podcast, and live stream on Facebook. Each week on this show, you'll hear candid conversations between her and her guests about real-world experiences on a variety of businesses and topics that we hope you'll find interesting and inspiring. If you'd like to ask Carrie a question or share your story, send an email to questions at upyourbusiness.org. That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org or send her a message on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with Mr. Paul Allen Smith, Jr., author of not one, but five lifestyle books. I meant to bring one today that I have of yours, just to remind you that I have one. (laughs) Founder of Heritage Poultry Conservancy and producer star of the P. Allen Smith Gardens, P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table broadcast on PBS. Before the break, we talked about Allen's... um, Life growing up on a farm, being in Tennessee, the heritage your your family's for yes. your family's for uh, four generations of farmers and ornamental ornamental horticulture. I can't say this word horticulturalist. Uh-huh. Horticulturists or horticulturists. Mm. There you go. I do this a lot on this show. If anybody listens very much, there's a few words I'm just not very good at. <clears throat> so now you've come back home from England, and we also talked about how you went to school in England. Now you've come back home from England, and I, this is when I met you. You had just opened Burnham Woods, and you came into Arkansas Flag and Banner and wanted to do a swap for some, I don't know if you remember this, for some banners to hang in your nursery. And you said you'd come out and put some uh, ornamental plants and stuff in my backyard. And I was like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I don't know this guy. But you and I hit it off so good that I was like, (laughs) okay. And then when he came out and decorated my garden, I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I got the best deal out of this whole thing. (laughs) It was off the chart. And you have not stopped since. So when you opened this nursery, did you ever think that it was going to lead to where it led to now? Did you have this in mind at all? No, not really. Um, You know, you never know how things are going to make a turn in the road, life that is. so I, you know, I loved creating that garden for you in, in the back. That was great fun. And um, we, we, we deployed some, I think, creative ideas there and it turned it into a fun place. And that's really what we do is we try to try to create beautiful spaces for people where they can, you know, enjoy and, and connect. And that's very important. But we did have a nursery um, and I had no idea at the time that I would be entering into media at some point. But really how all that started, Carrie, was was out of my my interest in, in sharing this knowledge that I'd learned in England. The heart of a teacher. I had had the uh, good fortune to uh, connect with the RHS, the Royal, Horti- oh, mm-hmm. the Royal Horticultural Society. There's that word again. Mm-hmm. Um, and the mm-hmm. um, I, I, they had a, a series of exams that you took to become a certified fellow at, at the time, and I did that with the RHS. I remain a member of the Royal Horticultural Society and a life member of the Rare Breed Survival Trust in England. And so I um, just really wanted to share information and started doing these workshops at our nursery on Saturdays. Oh. And they just grew in popularity. And, I think uh, you trained everybody in town because <laughs> really? nobody's gardens looked the way they do today. Everybody, you could... You could spot your gardens a mile away, and pretty soon, 
a lot of nurseries were following your lead? Well, I think that we did make an impact um, in the market in, in a lot of ways, uh, or in a few ways at least. I mean, one was sort of thinking about gardens in a different way, and then also bringing back a lot of great plants that we had sort of forgotten. If you went into a nursery in the early 80s, you if you were looking for perennials, you might find daylilies and hostas, and that would be it. Mm-hmm. Of course, being in England, it had opened my eyes to these amazing gardens and the variety of plants were being used, and they were using a lot of native plants, plants that grew right here on our in our roadsides. Oh, really? Yeah. So it was a it was a quite a moment for me to recognize that. So I began doing teaching, and then uh, I, there was a, a host of a radio show, Car- uh, Sharon Lee on KARN, who came. She was very interested in garden gardens and gardening. She and her husband, and she said, "Look, we should do a radio show together." And so we started doing a radio show once a week? for a couple of years for two. For, yeah, once a, once a week for a couple of years. And then we got our hour got bumped when Rush Limbaugh went from one hour to two hours. <laughs> and at that very time, I got a, a very day. I actually got a phone call from uh, KATV Channel 7. And uh, they said, we're looking for someone to come in and talk about uh, country western music, automotive repair and gardening. And I said, well, if if it's not all the same person, I might be able to help you. But I'd be at a loss talking about country western music or automotive repair. Uh, but I could give gardening a go. And so I went in and Is it and hard did, to prepare? Well, I didn't prepare. I didn't know what to how, how to prepare. I mean, I'd never been in front of a television camera in my life. And so I just went in and auditioned. I, I thought I was absolutely awful. And, um, you know, being basically an introvert, it was a harrowing experience. And uh, but they called me back and said, we want you to come in. I I would just come in and talk about whatever was going on in the garden. Do you have to bring props with you? Well, I would. Yeah, a few things, you know, uh, a tomato hornworm or something like that to show people. You mean a real worm? uh, Yeah. Or yeah. Or or roses that were blooming, things that were dead or dying and explain why. And bring things that opposite of what other people would do. Well, it was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, um, you know, it was really sort of get right to it in two minutes, help people solve a problem. And um, so I just, um, over time, these became very popular with Channel 7. And uh, I had the idea of maybe syndicating these and uh, moving into syndication with these little short 90 second spots. And that's how we got started. We formed a, a, a production company in 1993. And with some friends uh, who were very supportive, and uh, they helped uh, help me get started with that. So you um, had partners. Yep, and then we 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 grew from there. Um, we did the segments, the little ninety second reports, for about eight years, and grew their popularity and uh, our coverage over about two hundred and fifty stations around the country. And then those stations started asking for a 30-minute show because I was showing up in the local news on at you know at noon or the morning show. It was, you know, considered soft news. And what was so interesting early on, the news directors had to decide whether they wanted it or not, because it, it was a 90-second report and it was in the news. And nobody was doing that, were they? Well, there was a fellow that was uh, underway with a, a food-focused um, uh, 90-second insert, they were called, or interstitial. And his name was Mr. Food, and he would talk about, you know, different kinds of recipes and foods and things like that. And so I sort of took that model, uh, 90 seconds, um uh, and 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 developed it, uh, focused on organic principles, gardening, things that you can use around the house that are uh, without that allowed you to do the kinds of things you need to do without using hard chemicals, things that were good for your pets and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. tobacco. Epsom salt. Well, tobacco, yeah, you want to keep your dogs from smoking. Well, no, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but tobacco around uh what, around your bottom of your plant or it can be you can put it in your water and spray your plants with you tobacco can, right, in it. Right. Yeah. And Epsom salt's a great fertilizer. It is, those kinds of things. Is that what you're your talking dish, about? Yeah, right. And using oh, yeah, dish, dishwashing dish, liquid, you know, mm-hmm. to help use that as an insecticide. Those kinds of things. And then we started doing simple recipes with food that people could do. So is it one th- so every week you gave a new ninety second commercial and you put it out to your t- 
for to 250 radio sta- or TV stations for about eight years. Was it hard to keep coming up with stuff, or did you just repeat the same material over and over and over? Because the years cycle through, and you kind of the same problems over and over. No, we did one per day. One per day. And we we for, so each station got five a week. So every weekday there was a new one that aired, and so we did. How long uh, before you started making money? Because that's a lot of people to record and edit and put up and a huge amount of content yes for eight years for 90 seconds how much do you have to shoot how long do you have to shoot a commercial or a spot to get 90 good seconds well it got it got shorter over time but in the beginning it took a long time yeah yeah, yeah. (laughs) because i had no idea what i was doing so how long before your your investors and you started making a profit well, it really took about six, about five years, and and we began to talk to sponsors, and people became interested in it. The Weather Channel picked picked it up, and the segments. So, were you giving it for free? Well, that's what we did in the beginning. You and just gave it away for free, thinking yeah. someday somebody's going to start advertising with me. Yeah, you, that's the way we started, and we we had to convince them that this was a people good. People always uh, think entrepreneurs just are born with it the way it is and that they were just born no, successful. No, you have to grow sh- it. You have to grow it from from really nothing, from tiny little seeds of ideas into big productive plants. Five years. Yeah, so you you have to um, also uh, be patient, I think. And um, I think quality is also very important. Keep the quality up. And um, that was something that was always so you- a hallmark of what we we tried to do. And the, the thing that about these stations that was so interesting is that the news directors in the beginning, they said, now we really want news that that is, um, you know, a little more dramatic, maybe something that'll raise boost ratings. And they'd use phrases like, well, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of thing they want. I said, well, wait a minute. I think there are people out there, particularly in the morning and maybe on the noon show, why don't, why don't we think about news you can use? And that's what oh, we do. Oh, I like do. it. News you can use. And so that's that was sort of our motto. That I we love would, that. We, would, we, we developed that and, and began helping people with the, these kinds of things that would um, make their life a little better, better and healthier. Yeah. Uh, so when you, when you first go to talk to people and tell them you want to give them this 90-second spot, do you go to each station or do you go to, or do you, is there a way you can go and reach all of them at one time to give your pitch? I mean, do you have to go and sell every station? Well, the internet, you know, Al Gore just invented the internet. And so <laughs> it was just, it was just getting started. And so um, what we, yeah, I mean, we were online and we were sending emails and things like that, but it wasn't nearly as developed, of course, as it is today. But really, it was through a network of of stations. Um, for instance, they were owned by one group, and there might be seven or eight stations in those days. And we had uh, we were on Channel Seven, and they were so helpful at Channel Seven. Dale Nicholson was fantastic. Yes, he was, and he was a big supporter of what we were doing. And Bob Doubleday was was amazing. He was the former executive uh, manager of of Channel Seven. And you know they, the, Dale was was fantastic, and so he he knew people, he knew stations. They were at that time owned by I think All Britain. All Britain had other 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 properties, other stations around the country, and so they shared the idea. And then we put together a news director advisory board where they could we could bring them together and on a phone call, and just give us advice. And they news you know, so, directory advisory board. Well, we just picked seven of the uh, top news directors and brought them together. Uh, these were influencers. They knew a lot of people, and we asked them to come and be a part of just And a, they just said, okay? Yeah. Because successful people love to teach. And so we wanted to understand better the that landscape, that news landscape. And they were so, um, so helpful. And they were all, all local. Well. And they were all local. No, they came from different places. Um, so you from, just did a conference call. We well, we do conference calls, but in some cases, many of them came to see us. Uh, and then we've kept in touch with those news directors. Many of them have retired now, but uh, that goes that goes way back to 1994, 95. When did you just when I you, you started off as just Allen Smith's Gardens, and you put the P in there after a little while? Why did Why did you decide to do that? 
No, that's not true. Is that not true? No, that's what I, I thought I remembered. I went to Hendrix and they gave me, they made me P. Allen Smith. Because there was another Allen? There was another Allen Smith. And so I, thought, I was the president of the student body. And the, the year that I was president, they they put the P in front as a way to distinguish me from others. And Bob Doubleday really liked the, the idea of the initial P in front. Oh. And, you know, when you've got a vanilla name like Alan Smith, you've got to spice it up a little bit. Yeah. And so the P stuck. Well, I figured that's but why. It's all, but it's always been P. Alan Smith when we started the production. Always. Yeah. So you, in the very beginning, you I think you started producing not at Moss Mountain. You were producing at your cottage in downtown Little Rock. Well, we did. And my, my then partners had a beautiful kitchen and we used the kitchen and we used uh, gardens. We would go and, you know, knock on doors and say, you have a beautiful garden or my clients who had been so good to me and we'd made gardens for them. We'd use those or we would, we had, uh, we would tape in my garden downtown of which we still have. Yeah. It's that same studio set. And, and think, we kept that until we, we still keep it, but yeah. uh, we we do we do tape there probably uh, every other week um, really? some pieces from that garden. It's so handy to our offices and studio that are down there. And then we twelve years ago we we uh, moved out to Moss Mountain with a lot of our production because of the uh, well just the construction of the farm and the fact that there's. An opportunity there with with such diversity to find good yeah. content and demonstrate good practices of stewardship and taking care of plants and growing things and doing it organically. It's wonderful to walk around that place. It's absolutely Thank you. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It you bought that house you know in uh, downtown Little Rock for a thousand dollars. You bought the lot. Then you bought a house for for a dollar. No, no. I, I, yes, I, I traded a landscape project for the lot. And I bought the house for a dollar and had it moved onto the site and restored it. There's creativity. <laughs> I mean, the guy cannot stop. <laughs> yeah, You're that's... pretty modest about everything, too. I have to kind of drag everything out of you. When I started talking about that cottage house, if it had been me, the first thing I'd have said was, you know, I bought that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I always say is it's amazing what you can do to, uh, you know, people, you show before and after pictures and their jaw drops. Yeah. But, you know, it's incredible what you can do with a coat of paint and $300,000, you know, so. What's three? Where'd you get $300,000? Well, there's. I don't know. Oh, uh, over, well, yeah. over time. Over I'm just, time. I'm oh. just making a point oh, yeah, about so many about of these reality shows. You know, it's, oh, it's yeah. you know, right. Well, anybody can do that. Well, anybody can do that. Yeah. 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 Your production company keeps you so busy all the time, I guess. It sounds like you, you, um, you video every day almost. Well, How? not not every day, but they, they are doing production every day. So I'm not always in every piece we shoot. So it may be that I do an intro to it and they'll go visit uh, an interesting uh, place or get a story where maybe I can't go, but that gets integrated into the show. And then I'll do the opens and the wraps and that kind of thing. And then I'll do segments within the show. And just like today, they've got, uh, we were doing this piece for, just talk about heritage turkeys, these great breeds or colors of turkeys that we that were a part of our heritage and our agricultural legacy. And so the show is about that. We had Frank Reese from Kansas as a guest who came down to the farm. We interviewed Frank. He's kind of considered the father of, of a heritage poultry. They just did a, there's a documentary out that you saw called yeah. Eating Animals uh, that where Frank is featured there. He's sort of the hero farmer in that in Hero that documentary. farmer, yeah. I like that. Yeah, isn't that good? Mm -hmm. And so we're uh, doing this 30 minute show on the importance of the conservation of genetics. You know, I pe people say, well, you know, you, you love chickens. I really do, but it's the genetics that I find so interesting and important. And, and the poultry, too, it's just stunning for people to walk into our and see our poultry collection. And it, it's, you know, I've been around this my whole life. And so I'm like, OK, but but what I love about it is that it's opening up a world that people didn't really know existed. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're now three and four generations away from the farm and people have no idea mm -hmm. how wonderful these 
animals are and and how they populated our ancestors' farms. And I'm not talking just about poultry. I'm talking about sheep and swine. And so I'm a life member of the uh, uh, American Livestock Conservancy, the Livestock Conservancy, as it's called. So would you say that Moss, when you purchased Moss Mountain, I think you said 12 years ago, would you say that was a labor of love or a business decision? Well, I think it was a labor of love. I bet. Yeah. It's expensive. It, it takes a lot to, 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 to run a farm, and it takes a lot to um, to develop it in a way that you feel And you don't really sell anything like, off that farm, do you? Well, we do. We have a we have a gift shop, and uh, and we have lots of of tours, and we don't we don't really produce, don't produce anything, anything though, except do you? content. Interesting. That is so twenty first century. We're a content farm. A real farm full of content. Yeah, but do you sell your chickens at all? You we have a, we have a sale twice a year for our genetics. People are very interested in because they're very. Uh, we've done a, we've worked hard at trying to bring a lot of these breeds back. Many of them were on the, on the precipice of extinction, and so we've we've really worked to bring them not only back but also to bring them up to standard, the standard that they were in the say late nineteenth century. Yeah. Do you think somebody today could start a could start the way you started, ninety seconds? Well, I think they're doing it all over with the, with the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, with YouTube. with YouTube and things like that. I think it it carries on. I think there's Maybe opportunities out there. It, it it may very well be. Yeah. But there's more noise. There's more competition. Well, everybody that has a cell phone is a is a is a content producer now. Well, that's true. All right, this is a great place to take a break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation with Mr. Paul Allen Smith, Jr. of the PBS TV shows P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table. In this next segment, we're going to talk chickens, best practices for starting your own backyard brood. He is an expert on breeds, as you've been hearing, and the exotic chicks that are still available to purchase and raise. And last, we'll get some tips on urban gardening and talk about the benefits of the current farm-to-table lifestyle movement. But first, I want to remind everyone we're broadcasting live every Friday afternoon at 2 p.m. Central Time on both KABF 88.3 FM, the voice of the people, and flagandbanner.com's Facebook page. And that after one week of every show's airing, a podcast is made available on all popular listening sites and YouTube. We'll be back after the break. Boost morale and patriotism with a new flag or flagpole from Arkansas's flagandbanner.com. We have polls, hardware, accessories, maintenance support, installation, and custom flags. We have flags of all kinds for the sports enthusiast, the world traveler, or history buff. We have them all. Bring in your old flag and get $5 off a new one. Consult the experts at ArkansasFlagandBanner.com. Come shop our historic location at 800 West Knight Street in Little Rock or visit us online at FlagandBanner.com. FlagandBanner.com is proud to underwrite Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy, where listeners are offered firsthand insight into the humanity and commonalities of successful people shared in a conversational interview with Carrie. Along with this radio show, FlagandBanner.com publishes a free biannual magazine called Brave. First published in October 2014, Brave Magazine harnesses the power of storytelling and human empowerment. The Department of Arkansas Heritage recognized Brave Magazine's documentation of American life and microfishes all editions for the Arkansas State Archives. Subscribe to this free periodical by going to flagandbanner.com and selecting magazine. You're listening to Up In Your Business with me, Carrie McCoy, and I'm speaking today with the creative entrepreneur, Mr. P. Allen Smith, Jr., author, orator, cook, founder of Heritage Poultry Conservancy and producer star, and I think director of the P. Allen Smith's Garden Home and P. Allen Smith's Garden to Table TV shows on PBS. If you've got a question, make a comment on flagandbanner.com's Facebook page or write this number down and call. 501-433-0088. One more time, Chris. 501-433-0088. And if you're shy, you can just creep on my weekly blog about life as a small business owner at flagandbanner.com, or as I said earlier, listen to our podcast. I want to take this opportunity to give a big shout out and a thank you to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland, which is Friday, November the 2nd. Tickets and a few tables are available online. We sold some more tables last night, but I think there's still some left. Uh, Before the break, we talked about... 
Alan's life and how he ended up being a farmer. Then we talked about how he ended up, but then we talked about how you ended up being this mass media, multimedia person. It's just a fascinating story. And it just, everything that you talked about harkens back to the very beginning of the show where we talked about everybody that comes on the show, works hard, has the heart of a teacher, and is creative. And I mean, Alan has hit every one of those on the head. Uh, so let's talk about the Heritage Poultry Conservancy that you founded, I think, uh, not very, uh, maybe eight years ago. Yeah, that's about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it really sprung out of the fact that when, you know, we talked about my early childhood and my life moving from the farm into the city and the changes that uh, occurred at that point in my family with my father passing away and me kind of hanging on to that farm just in a small way in the backyard. Well, I began to uh, show show poultry. We couldn't. I couldn't keep a cow. I couldn't show swine, but I could keep a few chickens. In, right? in the in the suburbs. In the suburbs, and so here I had a. Uh, my mom was uh, raising four kids by herself, and you know she really didn't have a lot of uh, mind share to to you know to to give to. Uh, me doing all sorts of things. So anything I could do in the backyard or with poultry, it was something that I could really do myself. And I learned a lot from mentors and so forth. Well, fast forward to uh, about 10 years ago, I went to the state fair and was talking to the supervisor at the poultry show. And I was making my rounds and looking at all the livestock, which I like to do. And um, the, uh, went into the, 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 building at the time and the, there were just not that many Chickens. great great birds and i just told told the supervisor I said, you know this looks so different than it did when i was when we were showing mm-hmm. what happened to the you know that we had the great great old breeders that were bringing in these amazing sort of examples of the breeds and he said well we just we've we just don't have a lot of kids involved but, you know the the numbers are really dropping and and I said, well, what can we do about that? So we had a meeting with the fair board, of which I'm a member of the state fair board now. And um, I said, let's see what we can do to raise raise some money. And I said, well, what is a, give me an example of what a champion rooster might win. And I, it was like $12 or something like that. And I said, yeah, we, we need to work on that. Yeah. And so, That's not much incentive. So I said, tell me, you know, like, what does a, 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 the champion steer get? You know, and well, you know, those could be sold at that time for, $1,200, something like that. And I said, well, we really need to bolster this with the with the poultry and the poultry kids. Because the way I felt about it, Carrie, was that there are a lot of kids out there that don't have the resources to be able to keep dairy cattle or, or beef right. cattle or horses and this sort of thing. And um, they take, it takes a certain amount of economic resources to be able to make that kind of thing and happen. No, and no hooved animals in the city. Well, no, that's right, you know. unfortunately. <laughs> you know, so yeah. there, and you got that. <laughs> I, would have, I would have had those if I could. But yeah. anyway, um, I just felt like that ra- rabbits and poultry were a way to really let kids get involved and raise something and participate in the show world so and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So we raised the money. We bought new cages and, you know, kind of spruced up the space and got what they needed. And uh, I said, let, I want these ribbons that these kids get to be bigger than the beef cattle. I want them to be the biggest ribbons given. And so now these ribbons are absolutely outrageous. <laughs> They're huge rosettes, bigger than the kids. <laughs> And, uh, and they that, love that. Yeah, they do. And so, and then we've got these big, gorgeous trophies, and uh, that where their name goes on it if they win best of show. And so that's been going on now. And it's a pair of big um, silver pieces that my my mother had. And so we had those made into trophies. Uh, so now the kids get their names put on them, or the Hello. winner. And then we have um, the 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 prize money. So that. That champion—it's not twelve dollars anymore. It's not twelve dollars. It's a you know it can be anywhere from one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty. That's a lot of money for a kid. It is, and a lot of these kids. I mean, I'm telling you, some of them are so good at raising the the poultry now. They're 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 taking home you know a thousand dollars. Wow, are they in the city? These kids a lot in of the them city, are, yeah, or you know, in smaller. Maybe they may come from some come from Saline County, Bryant, 
uh, Benton. It's a state fair. So they come from all over the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we do have some kids from North Little Rock and Little Rock. There's something about taking care of an animal that teaches uh, kids about responsibility. Sure. And absolutely. You, and you want a dog, but they are a lot of work. They are very needy. They're very social. You right. have to be home. You have to do things with them. But a chicken. And their eggs aren't as good as chickens. <laughs> and their <laughs> eggs aren't as good. Yeah. But the, the poultry, but the, but the uh, chickens or the poultry, you can. You know, lock them up at night, and you better. You, you better. Yeah, that's right. But you can lock them up. If you go on vacation for a while. You can. They're they're, they're not as needy. Yeah, they're they're automatic feeders and waterers and that kind of thing. They're but, easy to take care. But you of. have that responsibility that you better lock them up at night, or the raccoon's going to come get them, that's even right. in the city. Right. That's exactly right. And you get one of them eaten, which we raised chickens in our yard in 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 the Hillcrest neighborhood, and it, you get one of them eaten, that kid feels pretty bad the next day. This whole backyard poultry phenomena has been interesting. It, I it, think you're part of it. You're part of the reason, I think. Well, I don't know about that. I feel like that we, we really took uh, a trend, something I knew something about, and we've amplified it. We've certainly raised the awareness, and we've raised the awareness of these heritage breeds. And so what we're now trying to do is tie in these breeds, we call them breeds with needs, uh, with these kids that are interested and so they're raising these breeds that need to be the population needs to come up and uh, for us to sustain them so why do you think they need to be saved well i think the main reason for me is just genetic diversity um you know you if you go down a very narrow path genetically with any food source for our food system it becomes more and more precarious. Mm -hmm. And so we have these great seed banks uh, where we are saving cereal grains, we're saving legumes and and all, you know, the world's uh, wheat and all all of this. And we have these seed banks in Norway and Colorado and England and various places. Are you saving your poultry's DNA? Well, that's part of the conservancy, yes. Can you actually save the DNA? Well, there is some work being done to cryogenically attempt to do this, where the where the ovum, the egg, and the sperm is saved. They're doing this with mammalian genetics. And uh, there's a place called Swiss Village Farm in Rhode Island that was funded by Dorrance Hamilton, who was the Campbell Soup heiress. And she uh, gathered together for a period of almost 15 years lots of these uh, great herds of, of swine, goats, sheep, cattle, both be- beef and dairy, uh, and even to some degree horses and so forth. And they cryogenically have have conserved the sperm and egg of these mammalian species or varieties of heritage animals so that they could be, be put into a surrogate uh, mm-hmm. at some point so four, really, 400 years into the future and that variety say it's a, a beltway cat cow uh, uh, or or belted ga- uh, uh, gateway cow they would be able to all you'd have to really do i guess chickens have sperm i don't know but all you have to do is save sperm and then like you said put it into a surrogate and you've started it off again well, I think it's a little more complicated than that. You know, there's a guy who owns a polo. There's a there's a polo uh, star. He's real hot. I saw him on uh, 60 Minutes. And he saved the sperm from his horse that they had to put down. And he has started a whole line of polo horses using his super his horse that, that yeah. was so good. Well, that's that's commonly done. It has been done for a long time with AI, artificial insemination. But but cr- it's to, not the same, But though. to cryogenically try to conserve the ovum, an egg, the egg, freeze it, yeah. and and the sperm is challenging with fowl, with a, avian genetics. And so that's not to say they're not doing it now because I'm not on the cutting edge of that personally, mm-hmm. but I know they're attempting to do that. Now, that would be a great breakthrough. Before, but so in the uh-huh. interim, what we do is we, we hatch every year. We, we reproduce them. We pick out the best ones. So we are conserving them. That's the way. The only way we know to How do it. How many breeds do you have on your farm? We have about f- of, of chickens, uh, ducks, geese, and turkeys. We have uh, probably 60 varieties. That's a lot. Mm. Yeah. 
There's a lot of lot of need. There are a lot of a lot of these these uh, birds need need conservation. Do the eggs are they different? Are they, the eggs you would eat from different breeds, or is it kind of all the same? No, the eggs. Uh, the flavor of an egg is largely dictated by what the animal's consuming. Oh, and um, you know, so if you feed it pizza, it's going to taste like a pizza. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, so, uh, but but you know, if, if if they're eating a lot of onion and that kind of thing or garlic, there may be a little hint of that that comes really? through. Really, huh. but just to, just a little bit, but the the by and large, it's really what they're fed. That's that's what colors the yolk. You see these really dark, rich colored yolks. Yes. It's from them eating spinach. Uh, well, no corn or or pumpkins. We we feed all the the end of the season. We feed all our pumpkins to them. Well, and I want to tell people if it was so we're running out of time, but I really want to quickly say that I'm talking to uh, P. Allen Smith on Up in Your Business with me, and he's an author uh, and a and he's also the producer and star of his show, Peon Smith's Garden Home and Peon Smith's Garden to TV shows on PBS. So if I wanted to start a uh, chicken farm or a chicken, <laughs> not a chicken farm, but if I want to put back, start backyard chickens in my backyard, sure. would you buy the chickens on that? Would you buy the chicks on the Internet? And what time of year would you start? Well, sure, you could do that. I mean, the fall's a good time as long as you live in a place where you don't have a harsh winter. The spring is an obvious time. But um, what we find is that when we have our visitors, we're open now till Christmas uh, every Thursday and Friday. And so we have. You can just come out there every Thursday and Friday? No. Oh. Uh, you make an appointment oh. and you come for lunch and a tour and a tour of the house and a tour of the heritage poultry and a tour of the cottage and the farm. And you. You, you, you learn about it. And you learn about it. And so there are opportunities there to get some ideas on how we house them and that kind of thing. And so I encourage people to do research and, and, and go and have a look around. Because they need light? For, yes. And they need uh, heat? Uh, well, as chicks, they do. But, I mean, most of these are land race breeds that really are tough. I mean, we have, we have Brahmas from, the, from Tibet, from the Himalayas. Uh, and so they're very, very cold tolerant. We have uh, Menorcas and, and white-faced black Spanish from the Iberian Peninsula who can really take the heat, you know. So these are gr the genetics of these things are amazing. That's so exotic. Yeah. Well, but they don't buy chicks out at your place. So they come out there and they learn about it at your place. Well, we have a workshop. We Throughout the season, through the fall, we'll do workshops. We just had a poultry workshop where we talked about these heritage breeds. And then we'll do one in the spring. And so what people should do is go to our website, look at when we're open, and look at the lessons that we're teaching. We'll have classes on beekeeping. Uh, we'll have, you know, goat soap making. We have... Lots of our farmer friends come and talk about some of the things they produce, and we do that at lunch. So it's a lunch and learn, and um, and you. I want to do that. And 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 we'll or we'll do tablescaping or decorating, and you know that kind of thing. We'll have artists there painting. You know, it's it's the it's really a place to come and enjoy nature, enjoy a farm, have a great meal, connect and meet some people of like mind, and and see something creative going on, and go away with something new and fresh, and so hopefully that'll inspire and you. And this is the time of year to do it. Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah, October is a wonderful month in Arkansas. <laughs> wonderful. As is November. Oh, and it then, is. And then we have Holly Chapel coming for Christmas, and she is a fantastic. Um, floral designer par excellence who's coming and her from, name's Holly Did her, is that a real name well she's that's why we chose her for Christmas Holly and, Chapel and she's going to be doing a uh, flower all the all the decor for the farm for Christmas this year everybody wants your life Alan we have but it's hard we had Jay Swanky last year he does a wonderful job and he's a great friend so what's your email address it's um, pallensmith.com just go to the website and you can see uh, we also have a line of flowers, so if you're interested in anything that we grow at the farm, uh, we produce it and ship it to you. So oh. we have peonies for sale right now, all the tulip collections, the daffodils, oh. everything. You can go online and you can order those at direct. We'll ship them right to you. Yeah. Oh, good. Well, we just ordered a bunch of, Gray just ordered a bunch of daffodils to put in our yard. We're going to come out there and get some of yours. Good. Well, no, no we'll ship them to or you. Or ship it yeah. to me. That, yeah. But the drive out's beautiful out to Moss Mountain, y'all, if, if you live in the area. What do you want? Or not. Come see us from out of state. Well, when I was there, you said, how far is the farthest person here? And somebody raised their hand and said, Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, today, could, today it was Hawaii. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I mean, right here in our backyard, we've got you. I just love it. I love you. But let me say, let me ask you this. What do you want people to take away from this interview today? Because you are a teacher and you've told us so many things. 
Well, I think that if you they're they're in business and they're entrepreneurs, it's really to be be yourself, you know, and and to follow your dream and not give up. Be persistent. Um, also, if you're, I think we're all in a service industry in some place, in some way, um, uh, I should say. And the idea of having a good team of people around you, uh, that's that's so important. It I, really is. I had a, had a had lunch with Dan Cathy yesterday uh, at Chick-fil-A headquarters. And, and, um, and Where's he's, that? Um, it's in Atlanta. And so you he just flew in. Yeah. And so he he was talking about sort of the secret to his success. And, you know, he said it's very simple. He said, you know, we're really not selling chicken. We're selling hospitality. And he and he made such it was so important for me to hear yet again. It's something I really believe in is that you start with a great team and that great team makes your customer feel good. I love that. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. I've really enjoyed Thank talking you, to you. Thank you, Carrie. Congratulations with all your success Thank and you, best you wishes too. going forward. Thank you. Give me his gift right there. Look, we got you a garden flag and a garden stand. Because oh, my goodness. Look at this. And, and the banner for everybody on Facebook, they can see it's got chickens. Oh, my God. Of course it does. That is wonderful. <laughs> and the backside's And it's perfect for the holidays. It is for Holly coming to town. It What's her is name? Holly Chapel. Yes. Here, so come see the Christmas decorations at Moss Mountain Farm oh, starting I think I will. Right, right after Thanksgiving. I think I will. I think I'm going to come out in October, though. I just love this time of the year. Uh, Chris? Thanks. Yes. Who's our guest next week? Democratic nominee for House of Representative, Mr. Clark Tucker, who's running against incumbent Representative French Hill. You know what? I think that's the week after next. I just remembered I'm out of town next week. Son, oh, okay. son Jack is getting um, having knee surgery in Ohio, and I think I'm going to go up and play nursemaid to him. So I think we're doing a rerun a next week. I know, right? I love it. Next, re- next week, I think we're going to replay Wark Sabins okay. because he's running for mayor, and we had him on earlier this year. So I think we're going to replay Wark Sabin, and then we'll have Clark Tucker on the week after that. Uh, I'd like to give another shout out to Centennial Bank for partnering with the Friends of Dreamland Ballroom and sponsoring this year's Dancing into Dreamland Friday, November the 2nd. Tickets and tables are still available online. If you have a great entrepreneurial story that you would like to share, I would love to hear from you. Send a brief bio or your contact info to questions at upyourbusiness.org. That's questions with an S at upyourbusiness.org. And finally, to our listeners, thank you for spending time with us My hope today is that you've heard or learned something that's been inspiring or enlightening. And I can't believe if you didn't learn something today or hear something that's inspiring or enlightening because today was a great show. And that it, whatever it is, will help you up your business, your independence or your life. I'm Carrie McCoy, and I'll see you next time on Up In Your Business. Until then, be brave and keep it up. You've been listening to Up In Your Business with Carrie McCoy a production of FlagAndBanner.com. If you miss any part of the show or want to learn more about UIYB, go to FlagAndBanner.com and click on Radio Show or subscribe to her weekly podcast whenever you like, wherever you like to listen. All interviews are recorded and posted the following week with links to resources you heard discussed on today's show. And Carrie's goal is to help you live the American dream.